The Equity Foundation is the professional development arm of MIA Equity and Equity New Zealand. Each year, the Equity Foundation delivers more than 100 masterclasses, workshops, film screenings, in conversations, international scholarships, and on set internships free of charge for Equity members. We give our thanks to our principal sponsor, Media Super. Sorry, but we've had a few technical problems now. So apologies if there are any problems during the next session, we're, we're on to it. But as I said, my name's Alex Jones and I'm the Program Manager of the Equity Foundation. And today I have the great pleasure in introducing our special guest, Diana Cooney. Before we commence, I would like to acknowledge the Gadigal people of the Eora Nations and pay my respects to all the traditional owners of country and all throughout our country and recognise their continuing connection to land, water and culture, and that this always was to elders past, present and emerging. This is a particularly appropriate time to thank the Equity Foundation's principal sponsor, Media Super. Media Super has supported the foundation since our beginning in the early 2000s. They are your industry super fund and they can help you with your superannuation and provide you with financial advice. And I can provide you with contact details if you don't have them. Now, as always, it's important that you mute yourselves. And that's particularly important if you're on an iPhone, as we can't mute you from here. And we will be going probably about 40, 45 minutes. And Diana will give you the format of today's and today's session and sort of how she'd like to do the Q&A. So keep in mind, an eye out for that. So thank you and um, welcome, Diana. Thanks, Alex. Hi, everybody. I hope you're all well today. So I'll give you a little bit of background information on me just so that you understand that I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> because it's always nice to know that the person you're listening to actually has some credentials behind them, right? So I'll give you a bit of background information about me, very, very small amount. And then what we're going to do is cover off some general ideas and concepts about acting headshots as they are today all right and then after that I'm going to walk you through a cheat sheet that I have that you guys can utilize as a bit of a like framework for how you approach headshots all right and I'm going to try and get all of that done in 45 minutes so we're going to kind of rip through some bits if you've got any questions at any point during my talky bit make sure that you pop them in the chat and then we'll address them all in the Q&A at the end all right. Okay. So I've got a thing to share with you. It's my notes and it's also the, the cheat sheet. So we're going to go, go through this, what to know in general about headshots in a moment. But before I do that, so I am an actor and voiceover artist, have been for 25 years. So I've got a really strong background and grounding as an actor. I started being a photographer, I started working as a photographer 12 years ago and I started working with actors straight away because I understand actors, I speak actors language, I know how we think, right? So I've spent 12 years now photographing actors and creating actors headshots and in that time I've obviously talked to a lot of actors, I've coached a lot of actors through the process of building good, connected, authentic, unique headshots. And I've also talked a lot to casting professionals and agents about what it is that they need and what it is that helps them cast their people, all right? Now, obviously, not everyone has an agent. So all of this stuff applies to you, whether you're represented or not, because we all need headshots, right? We all need photos of ourselves that sell us as actors, whether we're repped or not. But knowing what agents look for and what they know works and knowing what casting people look for and what works is really, really helpful, I, I believe, you know. So I am letting people into the room as we go. So if every now and again I go, oh, that's me, like letting people in. If you've got any more questions about me and my background, check them in the chat. I'll talk to you about those later. So let's kick off. What you need to keep in mind in general about headshots, okay? The first, oh, I also should let you know, I am a natural light photographer. I don't work in a studio, right? So some of this information, you've got to think about it in the context of not being in a studio under lights. Not very much of it though, pretty much all of it is applicable. So if I come across anything in particular that I talk to you about through this section or through the cheat sheet section that I think might be a bit different if you're in a studio having photos done, I'll let you know that that's the case. So headshots, they need to be individual. They need to show you because there is, this is pretty cheesy, but there is no other you in the world, right? So you have to bring you. Now, that's hard, right? 
it's hard to relax and be you in front of a camera, but it is literally one of the most important vital components of having your headshots be different to other people's headshots. So do not try to look like anyone else or be like anyone else when you're having your headshots done. Embrace all of the bits of you that exist, right? The weird bits, the funny bits, the bits that you don't like. Ultimately, your opinion of whether these are good or bad photos actually doesn't matter very much because you're not buying you. An agent is buying you. A casting professional is buying you. A client is buying you through these photos, okay? So what they think is more important than what you think. So it's really important that you develop an ability to look at this stuff objectively. We'll talk a bit more about that later. So all of the elements of you, your expressions, whether you like them or not, whether you think you look stupid and goofy or cute and funny or any of those kinds of things, they need to all be allowed to come through as part of the process of building headshots. And you don't want to get caught up looking like what you think you should look like as an actor in a photo, all right? All that does is create a mask and a barrier and it stops the authentic you from coming through. So second point, these are not just pretty photos of you, all right? They're not just nice pictures of you. You can get nice pictures any day of the week, right? These are marketing material. You have to learn how to look at them objectively. And the approach that you want to take for this is, does this photo sell something? There's a few different kinds of photos you want to have in your, in your collection as an actor. You want to have acting photos that show that you can act and that you can sell a character, that you can sell personality, that you can sell emotion. But you also want to have photos that are more commercially kind of viable. And do they sell something? Could somebody look at this photo and go, yeah, that person could sell my cars. That person could sell my fridges. That person could sell my travel destination. So you want to make sure that you're not just looking at these and going, oh, I don't like that photo of me, or I don't think that's a nice enough photo of me. Does it do something? Does it create an idea in the person who's looking at its mind? It's marketing material. It's really important that you connect to this. And because of that, you want a lot of variety in your selections, okay? And by selections, I mean the images that you choose to utilise as your final headshots from whatever collection of proofs your photographer gives you. You want to cover as much ground as possible with your selections, emotional range, physical range. From a characterization perspective, you want to have as many different kinds of characters. And when I say characterization, I'm not talking about doctor, nurse, police officer. I'm talking about emotional content and an idea of who a person is, right? So you want to cover as much of that as possible. And if you can, get age range as well. Age range is awesome in headshots. If you can have five headshots and you've got a five-year range or a 10-year range or whatever you're capable of in those photos, that dramatically broadens the type of work that you can get cast for. That variety and range in your photos is super, super important. If you've got five photos that are basically the same version of you wearing different clothes on different backgrounds, they're not different headshots. They're the same headshot. They do the same thing. So make sure you're looking for variety. I think probably most people know this, but I see this happening a little bit with people who are just starting to get into the industry. They think utilising a uniform or a costume is going to help them look more like the character. And actually, it's bad. It's tacky. It's cheap. It's nasty. It's very amateur. And it's not at all indicative of acting ability or screen presence. So don't wear costumes. If you want to be cast in gritty crime dramas, then you have to embody the character from a gritty crime drama. Don't wear a police uniform. Don't wear something that looks like you're a detective. You know, don't whack a badge on your the jacket. Work out who the character is and embody that. Let's have a talk about casting specifically now. What you want from a photo is the ability for the casting person to see you in their production. And if there's a lot of different styles of productions that you want to work on, make sure that you develop headshots that fit in those different styles of production. You know, I mentioned gritty crime, crime dramas before. Maybe that's a particular style of, of acting work that you want to get into. Maybe what you're looking for is some presenting style images. Maybe what you're looking for 
is I'm, I'm lost for ideas right now, right? But there's lots and lots of different styles of production. So make sure that you have different looking headshots for different types of work. And still, shots that look like they're stills from a production, they make such a big difference to casting people. It might not be your primary headshot, but we know with online platforms these days, we can have a collection of images on a profile. And it's really useful to have some of those images look like stills from a production. It really helps the casting people see you in their show. So having some background or context in a few images is really, really helpful. Obviously, you want the head and shoulder classic, you know, kinds of shots. And it doesn't matter these days whether they're portrait or landscape. In fact, landscape is becoming more and more the done thing because we store everything digitally now, right? We're not printing out eight by tens and handing them out to people anymore. So that whole portrait versus landscape thing, you can have your photos framed however you want. They can be square if you want them to. But you want to have at least a few photos that look like they're in a place. It helps, it helps contextualise your character and it allows production people to see you on a set, in a series, in a film. So just make sure that you're including some photos that have a wider kind of shot with you in it and engaged in the space, but not just always head and shoulders. Shots that express a range of motion are super engaging to look at. And what I mean by that is a photo where someone is just sitting, not thinking, not doing anything, is very static. Now, we can create that sense of motion without actually physically moving. You're all actors, so you know how to look engaged. You can be engaged, right? So you want to make sure that you're emotionally engaging in the moment and that physically you feel like you've either come from somewhere or you're going somewhere. It creates a sense of action in the image, right? And it's just, it's so much more engaging to look at, right? If you're looking at a pile of 100 images of actors and one of them looks like the actor's doing something, that's going to stand out enormously compared to a photo where an actor looks like they're doing nothing. So the eyes are the most important thing. And the way that you make your eyes the most important thing in a headshot is by staying connected to the camera, no matter what's going on. Doesn't matter what you're thinking, what you're doing, what the rest of your body's doing, make sure that you stay connected to the camera as if it's a person, because then your eyes will be the focus of the shot. Now, let's talk a little bit about posing. Posing isn't all bad. It can be a really strong characterization. So, and by posing, I mean holding a particular physical structure or facial expression. Right? It can really tell a very strong story, but if you do it all the time, then there's a possibility that all of your photos will look the same, particularly if you're using the same physical and facial kind of structure or pose, but it also blocks authenticity as well, right? So don't feel like you can never add some specific movement or facial expression to a shot, but be conscious of not having that be there all the time. We want some shots that are super open and really, really like connected and clear and hello, this is me, right? And then having some shots that are a bit more posed and closed off and structured, like I said, can be really good from a characterization perspective. But this comes back to that idea of having range and variety in the images that you produce. And casting people want to see who you are. They want, to, they want to know that you can be a character, but they also want to get a sense that they can access you as well. So if all your photos are heavily posed and structured, there's a sense that a lot of, they'll be closed off, right? They won't be open. Now, it can take at least half an hour of a full hour of shooting time for a person to get comfortable and open up. So the cool thing about that is you don't have to rush yourself. Give yourself the grace of softening into the process. Understand that this is hard. You know, that there's complexity here that you need to give yourself time to work through. And those not relaxed photos, they'll still have value. You know, they will still be useful images. And then as you relax through the session, right, the body language will change, the facial expressions will change, the openness will change. But if you put pressure on yourself to be in that relaxed, open state from the very, very beginning, then you'll create tension. And tension is, if it's there all of the time, a real blocker. 
So give yourself the opportunity to find your pace and find your softness. I just thought of something that I wanted to share with you and it's disappeared. I'm sure it will come back. I just want to reiterate this. Casting professionals will be drawn to photos that are interesting. All right. Consider that, like, imagine yourself as a casting person looking at 100 photos or 200 photos, right? They're probably mostly going to be the same. And I've talked to a lot of casting professionals and they say this all the time that there's like often they'll be looking at a bunch of photos and it just becomes a blur because so many of them are basically the same. Same framing, same body position, same smile, same hi, I'm an actor kind of vibe. The ones that stand out to them are the ones that are different. They might be framed differently. So maybe they've got a bit more context in the space. Maybe they're a, a, a bit more environmental in their feel. Maybe the expression is unique and different. Maybe it's just that the eye contact and the connection is really, really strong in the photo. But you want your photo to stand out. You want your photo to be interesting. And that sense of of motion and action being in a photo, that's another thing that creates that kind of interesting sort of sense. So that's just some general information about what, what you want to keep in mind when it comes to headshots and what works and what doesn't, okay? So now what we're going to do is go through this little cheat sheet that I've put together. I'm going to talk to each of these points as we go through. So this quote I love, being still and doing nothing are two completely different things. For me, that personifies acting, but also what we need to do in our headshots. And I remembered the thing that I forgot before. This is excellent. Okay, so headshots are hard, all right? They take effort and specific skills. And they also require you to be ready and for you to like be functional. So I highly recommend treating acting headshots like an acting gig, you know, like you'd never turn up to an audition or an acting gig without warming up first, would you? You'd warm up your voice, you'd warm up your body, you'd make sure that you understood what it was you were trying to achieve. You would be ready to walk in and engage and utilise all of the space and other people if they're in there with you and the camera and you'd be ready to go. So treat acting headshots exactly the same way. It astounds me sometimes the number of actors who turn up to an acting headshot shoot with having done no preparation, haven't even thought about what they want. It's really important that you take ownership of this. Not every photographer that you work with is going to understand the difference between acting headshots and modelling headshots or normal portraits or something like that. There's a different requirement to an acting headshot than any other kind of photo that you're going to have taken of you. And it's really important that you understand what you need to get out of it. So do the prep. It will make the whole process less hard and you'll have a lot more ownership over that process as you go. So that being still and doing nothing, being two completely different things, are kind of the premise that like underlies a lot of what I'm going to talk about next. So you're, you're not a model, right? You're an actor. You might also be a model, but in these photos, you're not a model, you're an actor, okay? You're in action, even if it's internal. So it's really important that you are actually in action. If you just sit and do nothing, there's nothing there for the person on the other side of that photo to engage with. And as I said earlier, that's the whole point. We want people to look at these photos and be engaged by them and we want these photos to stand out. So you need to be in action, right? That doesn't mean move around heaps physically. We'll talk more about that in a second. What it does mean is generate internal action. So have thoughts, engage with them, think things, allow yourself to be aware of the environment that you're in, the stuff that's going on in that environment. Is there a car driving past? If you're in a studio, is there music playing? Are there other people in the space? What other equipment and materials and things are around you? Like engage with that stuff mentally, but stay connected to the camera while you're doing it. The more stuff you've got going on in your head, the more stuff will be happening on your eye, in your eyes, right? And on your face. And it's really important that we see that stuff, okay? So 
have thoughts. And just a little trick that I share with pretty much everybody that I shoot is this idea of saying the words, I've got a secret in your head, right? Now, what you want to do is take that line and repeat it over and over and over in your head, like you're saying it out loud. I've got a secret, I've got a secret, I've got a secret, I've got a secret, I've got a secret in your head. But there's a lot of different types of secrets. There's like, like exciting secrets that you just cannot wait to tell people that are busting out of you and you have to hold on to it until a particular time. There's like awful heavy secrets that you wish you didn't know. There's secrets that you know could absolutely destroy someone and you're going to use it or you're not going to use it. There's lots of different types of secrets out there. And there's a lot of different emotional undercurrents that live in those secrets. So the trick with these words, I've got a secret, I've got a secret, I've got a secret, is in your head, imbue them with whatever emotion belongs to the type of secret that you've decided to connect to. So just as an example, if it's an excited secret, inside your head, you might be going, I've got a secret, oh, I've got a secret, I've got a secret. Right? On the inside, obviously. Or if it's a really heavy secret, it might be more along the lines of, I've got a secret, I've got a secret, I've got a secret, I've got a secret, fuck, I've got a secret. More pain, more trauma involved in it. When you allow yourself to do that in your head, it makes your eyes look different. Makes your face look different as well if you're relaxed enough to let it come through. But these words are basically an anchor. You can do this with any words. I like I've got a secret. It works for me and it works for lots of people that I work with. But you can literally use any words. You can take a line from a, a, a show that you've done or a play that you've done or a TV show that you saw or a line from a commercial that you thought was awesome or a, a, a line from a book that you absolutely adore, right? Anything that you can add emotional content to will allow you to have connection to that emotion in a way that isn't show me the emotion, right? It's feeling it. I've just given you a point that's lower down on my list. That's all right, we'll come back to that. <laughs> okay, so I highly recommend you use that. And by the way, this can be used in audition processes as well, right? If you're in an audition and your job is to be listening and paying attention, having something like this in the background as a way of anchoring yourself and connecting to something can be really, really helpful. But it's awesome in photos. Something that you want to keep in mind with still photography is no one actually knows what you're thinking. They only see the outcome of the thoughts in the photo. So you literally can be thinking anything. You can be going through your shopping list if that's all you've got available to you. And it will put something in your eyes, which is better then or should I'm having my photo taken, which is often what happens when you're in front of a camera. Okay, understand how lean in versus lean out translates. So a camera operates on a flat plane and forward and backward movement gets exacerbated depending on the lens that you're using. And the longer the lens, the more that forward and backward movement looks in the photo. And a lean in is quite intimate. A lean out is quite removed. So it's really important that you understand what you're doing with your body. And you want to use both of those tools across a shoot. Sometimes a little tiny lean backwards is a really good thing. Lean in, lean out. They sell very, very different things. From a characterization perspective, they're really, really useful. And they're also really useful from a intimacy perspective. So this is another way that you can um, have the other person on the other end of your photo feel like you're engaging them. Just a little lean in really draws the viewer of the photo in to what you're doing. So utilize lean in and lean out. You want to allow micro shifts in facial and physical expression. So that happens when we don't hold an expression or a body language in place for too long. Those little micro shifts in expression are fascinating. And that's where really interesting stuff lies. Like a smile is one thing, but everything that happens after that smile has been let go of and the face changes and moves through the diminishment of the smile, that's interesting. And that's got movement and action in it. Same with, with thoughts, right? The difference between I've got a secret, I've got a secret, and I've got a secret is quite big. But if you allow yourself to follow a thought process 
you'll also follow micro shifts in expression through that thought process. So I've got a secret, I've got a secret, I'm so excited, I've got a secret. There's actually a lot of different stuff that can happen in that. And you want to allow yourself to move through those micro shifts in expression. That requires you to be soft and open. All right, so you want to be releasing tension wherever possible so that your body is soft and expressive and your face is soft and expressive. But don't move big quickly. That makes your photographer's job really, really hard. So if you suddenly lean in like this and you're in the mid and that person's in the middle of taking photos of you, all of those shots, there's every chance that they will be out of focus or not working properly for some other reason with movement blur or whatever. A lot of photographers work at a fairly shallow depth of field when they're creating acting headshots because we want the focus to be here on the eyes and this part of the face, right? So we're working with quite a shallow depth of field. So big movements really matter. They really impact the way that we can take the photos. Active listening eye contact. What I mean by this is when you're having a conversation with a person and you can practice this with your photographer before they start taking photos. When you're having a chat, prior to photos being taken or in between photos being taken, pay attention to the type of eye contact you have with that person while you're talking to them, all right? Because listening eye contact is very, very different to thinking about something else, eye contact, right? And you want to keep and maintain that listening eye contact with the camera. So practice it with your photographer, practice it with everybody in your life. When you're paying attention and listening to them, really recognize what it feels like to be thoroughly listening and connected to that person. And then make sure you bring that to your relationship with the camera. Really actively listen and engage like that camera is a person and it's telling you the best story of your life. These eight, nine and 10 are really important, okay? Your photographer is gonna put you in positions. They're gonna say, go stand over there or sit there or can you do this with your hand? Or can you cross your arms? Or you can put your hands in your pockets, right? They're going to give you physical directions. But it's really important that you find your comfortable, happy place in that physical direction that you've been given. You know, if I, if I go and lean on a wall and I'm all like trying to just lean and I'm all awkward and weird, it doesn't look very comfortable and it doesn't look like me. And it's not open and relaxed. But if I go lean on the wall and give myself a minute to work out how do I lean on a wall, then it will look relaxed and comfortable. So make sure that you give yourself an opportunity to find your happy place in any position that a photographer puts you in. And if you really feel very uncomfortable, just say to the photographer, this doesn't really work for me. Can we try something different? This is smiling is the same. If you smile and it's not real, it won't be in your eyes. It'll basically be a school photo smile right? And we don't want them in headshots like at all. So only smile if it's real and then allow it to shift as opposed to smiling and then dropping the smile. There's nothing in between those things. And like I said before, the smile disappearing and coming down lower on your face and then turning into not a smile at all. There's a bunch of interesting shit that happens in there. And, and that's where the gold is because it's real, right? So allow Whatever expression you've got, make sure that it's real, but then allow it to fade and move and shift naturally. I mentioned this before, feel emotions, don't try and show them. Showing me angry face is very, very different to feeling a bit angry and allowing that to just natively adjust your facial expression and your body language. There's an Uta Hagen quote, and I'll probably butcher the living daylights out of this, but she said something like, have an opinion, don't tell me what it is. And it's a really, really good premise for this particular thing. That's my rooster. <laughs> feel emotions, don't show me the emotion. Because if you just feel them and you're relaxed and you're not holding tension in your body, they'll show up on your face anyway. If the photographer points the camera at you, if you're like just chatting or he or she has said, go sit over there, go do this thing, blah, blah, blah. And on your way over there, they they lift the camera to take photos of you, don't suddenly pose because whatever it is that you're doing at that point was interesting enough and useful enough that the photographer wanted to capture it. And the second you go from like whatever that natural kind of thing that you were doing was to, oh, camera, you're no longer in that really beautiful, natural, authentic thing. If a photographer's pointing a camera at you, keep doing what you're doing. 
just keep doing it. Trust them, right? They've seen something useful and they want to make sure they capture it. So everyone has a thing that happens when a camera's pointed at them. Everybody does. There's not a single person that I've ever photographed that doesn't do a thing when the camera's pointed at them. It might be a shoulder pop. It might be a chin duck or a chin lift. It might be a slight head tilt. It might be that they do a particular smile. It might be that there's tension in their jaw, right, and that they're holding their jaw in a particular place. It might be a lean. There's all sorts of different things that people do. And it's really important that you work out what yours is. And the best way to do that is to have someone just take a bunch of photos of you and watch or look at photos that you've already got that, that have been taken of you and see if you can find a consistent thing, expression, body position, any of that kind of thing. See if you can find a specific thing that is consistent across all of your images. And then what you want to do is work out how to control that. It's not a bad thing in and of itself, but if it's present in every single photo, then it interferes with your ability to have versatility in your images and to be to, to look different in a range of photos. So work out what your photo thing is. You can even ask a photographer that you're working with to keep an eye out for it because they'll notice, they'll know what it is, but not all photographers will recognise that it's a hindrance. So you might need to bring it to their attention. But the best thing to do is feel, is there a thing? Is there something that I'm doing every single time? And it's habitual, right? So you might not notice. And it's going to be complex to rearrange because habitual stuff is happening on a subconscious level. So part of this process is recognising what your habitual responses to a camera are and then practising breaking those. It'll feel weird. If you're used to doing this every time someone points a camera at you, when your head is straight, it'll feel really weird. But you need to learn how to recognise and address those elements. Always be connected to the camera. Always, always, always. I said this before, it doesn't matter what else you're doing, doesn't matter what you're thinking about, it doesn't matter what else is going on in your space, stay connected to the camera. If you burst out laughing, stay connected to the camera. If you burst into tears, stay connected to the camera. If you feel stupid and silly and like something dumb's just happened, stay connected to the camera. The photos that you get from that might not be your perfect headshot, but they might be. And they might be ideal for a particular casting. You just don't know. And the moment you look away from the camera, it might be a good photo of you, but it's not a headshot because your eyes aren't connected. All right, last few. I want to talk about hair and makeup, okay? And this is where me being a natural light photographer probably comes into things a little bit more with makeup than hair. With your hair, if you can, make sure that you shift around the styling a bit. I play with people's hair all the time in headshot sessions. I like flip things the opposite way to the way the hair normally goes. We tie hair up, we put hair down, we braid things, we pull it all over one side, we pull it all over the other side. It's amazing the difference in the way that you are presented when your hair is different to how you normally have it. So if you've got a natural part here and your hair naturally sits this way, for a couple of shots, flip your hair over that way and just see what happens. You might not love it, you might not use them, but it's, a, it's an incredibly quick and easy way to create diversity and range in your photos. Now, makeup. This is a bit of a point of contention, but I tell people not to wear foundation. I tell people not to wear concealer when they work with me. It, it's a little different when you're working in a studio with lots and lots of lights, um, because that does change things about your skin. But when you're working in natural light and you've got foundation on, it makes your face a different colour to your neck and your chest. And that is incredibly difficult to fix in post. Pimples, redness, blemishes, bags under your eyes, that stuff goes easy, right? Digital photography has made that stuff so easy to fix. I can, in a very short amount of time, make you look like you've got lovely clear skin, you've been drinking heaps of water and you've had an excellent night's sleep the night before. But what I can't do is change the colour of your face or change the colour of your neck or change the texture in any way that looks real. So you have to let go of this idea of I need to present a perfect, clear skin base for my photographer. In a lot of ways, you're actually making things worse and, and harder down the track. 
The other thing that heavy makeup does, and by makeup I mean foundation, is it locks your face into a single look. Means that you are going to look just like exactly the same face with some different expressions on it throughout all of your shots. If you want some photos with makeup on, awesome, no problems. Either put the makeup on towards the end of the shoot and get some shots with makeup on at the end, or put it on at the start, bring some wipes so that you can take it off. My recommendation is at the end, only because wiping makeup off your face can leave some redness and different bits and pieces. The other thing about having some photos, at least a handful of photos that show your natural skin tone is casting people can then see your natural skin tone and texture. And with the way that casting is going these days with the type of amount of diversity that's happening in casting, having bare skin in photos is really, really useful, right? There's a lot more natural, we're seeing people in a natural state on TV, in film work, in those kinds of like in all sorts of different productions these days. So you want to make sure that you can let casting people know what you actually look like. It's, it's much easier to imagine a bare face made up than it is to imagine a made up face bare. So make sure that you've got some bare faced, <laughs> bare skinned shots in your collection. If you want to wear mascara, if you want to put some eye stuff on, if you want to put a little bit of a lip on, that kind of stuff is great because right? it's actually really easy to put on and take off. So you can use that to make adjustments during a shoot. But foundation absolutely locks you into one look and it makes it really difficult to generate diversity. It also ages you heaps and heaps. So it's a useful tool for aging up, but no, no makeup is an excellent tool for aging down. Last one, stay soft. And I've touched on this a bunch of times throughout this, and this is part of your warm-up process, but it's something that you want to check in on throughout the entire shoot, okay? Look for your areas of tension and learn how to release them and make sure that you have those tools available to you in the shoot. It might mean a body scan from head to toe, where you look for those areas of tension, breathe into them, release them. It might mean if you carry a lot of tension in your jaw, doing some jaw release exercises. Maybe you want to release your masseter muscles on the side of your jaw so that your jaw sits a little lower and it's softer. Maybe you want to release your tongue so that it isn't pushing up into your mouth and creating a, a sense of tension. Maybe you want to stretch out your eyebrows. When I'm tense, I do this. All of my tension lives in my eyebrows. My jaw's almost always relaxed, but my eyebrows are up here when I'm stressed and tense. So maybe you need to release that. Maybe what you need to do is give yourself a good head scalp massage, a big scrub so that you can release all of the muscles that are attached to your face, right? There's a bunch of different things that you can do with your body and your face to relax yourself. And you want to have control of all of those mechanisms because they are what will help you get rid of that tension in your system. Sometimes that tension is useful, but only if you're using it strategically, right? If it's running you, you're in trouble. All your photos are going to have that same tension in it and they're all going to look the same. If you're running it, you can use it strategically. It's the same as the whatever thing you do in front of a camera. Once you know what it is, you have control, you can use it strategically. All right, so oh, 10.43, fantastic. All right, great. So I'm going to stop sharing now. By the way, this cheat sheet, if anybody wants a copy of it, if you haven't screenshotted it or whatever, you can email me and I will send you a copy of it if you think it's a useful thing. I'll pop in the chat. I can, um, um, I can send it to everyone if that's easier. Oh, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah cool, 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 cool. I'll send it to you, Alex. And you can just, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can send it out cool. to everybody. So hopefully that will be helpful for some of you. It is. There have been some requests for it, so that'll be perfect. Now, we've got quite a few questions, Diana. Now, I'm just to be concerned. My Zoom is playing up. Would you prefer to go through the, me to read out the chat? Now nah, I'll go. I can see the chat, so I'll just them. go through. Yeah. All. Okay. Hi, Deanna. Hi, Ron. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. Deanna, can we grab a copy of the cheat sheet? Yes, you can. Already answered that one. That's awesome. For question time, I'd love to see an example of what you'd consider a great profile. If possible, also an example of what you think most people would consider a great profile, but could actually use improvement. Right. Okay. So I don't have anything specifically prepared. But what I could do is, hang on, let me tell you what I'll do, Atlas. I'm going to come back to that. I'm going to answer some questions that I can answer immediately. 
And while I'm doing that, I'll see if I can find some collections of images that show good range. Okay. And if I can't do it in the next 15 minutes, Alex, is there some way that I can share something with you that you can share when you send out the cheat sheet? Yes, that's fine. Okay, good, good, good. So just because I haven't prepared that, if I've got a couple of minutes afterwards to put it together, I'll make sure that I send it through to Alex with the cheat sheet. I think that's really helpful. Would that be helpful for other people as well? Just give me a wave if that's something that you're interested in. Yeah, awesome, great, will do. Okay, a question. To what extent is it possible to do your own headshots if you have the right gear? Well, <laughs> this is a funny question, right? Because I'm really struggling to find somebody to do my headshots. <laughs> For, for a really long time. I think it's absolutely doable if you are across all of the things that I talked about in that cheat sheet. If you are across your tension areas, if you are across the things that you do in front of a camera, if you understand how to generate the kinds of images that you want, then yeah, you can do it yourself. I would recommend making sure that you have an automatic like a little button that you can press that fires the camera. Because if you have to hold on to the camera or you have to reach around the back of the camera, it, it, it does weird things to your body. So you'd want to make sure that your camera's on a tripod for starters, and you'd want to be able to trigger the, yes, I've been a photographer for a long time and I can't remember the words. You want to trigger the shutter. <laughs> you want a automatic little trigger that you can have with you. Make sure that it's hidden in your hands, you know, but, and it might take you longer to generate the images. But yeah, I think that it's totally doable. I don't see why not. Uh, yes, it's okay to use own photos, not selfies, that's wrong. Yes, not selfies, but you know, taking yourself. So a question, when staying connected to the camera, does this mean you always have to be looking down the lens? Yes, yes it does. And this is probably the most challenging thing for actors to do, because we're literally trained to pretend that the camera's not there. Like unless we're presenters, and we're used to like eyeballing the barrel of the camera and connecting with an audience on the other side of that camera. If we haven't done any of that kind of work, then looking straight down the barrel of the camera is really intimidating. So it's something that you need to practice. And the best way to do that is to imagine that it's a person. I know that like is like everyone's like, oh, talk to your favorite person or whatever, but it actually works. You know, if you like the photographer, you can imagine that actually you're connecting to the photographer through that lens. But if the photographer is not helping you feel comfortable and relaxed and soft and open, then imagine somebody on the like inside that lens who is. Sometimes if the if the camera is close enough to me and I can see myself in the lens, I'll look into my own eyes. I'll just make eye contact with myself right? <laughs> and just lay all the love on me. So there's, there's different things that you can do to make that work, but connecting to the camera does mean eyes in the barrel of the camera, right? Because even like a little bit off to the side or above or below, you're no longer actually connected. And it's really easy to see when someone's not fully connected to the camera. Okay, reading glasses on and off. Yes, yes, if you wear glasses, right, on a regular basis, for whatever reason, whether it's for reading, for long vision, for, say you're wearing for driving, whatever it is, right? If you wear glasses, get some shots of you in glasses because it's cool and it's unique and it's different. You might never use them, but it's useful to have. Remakeup, if you have someone who, to do it who knows what they're doing really naturally, is that okay? It's still very risky, right? I've had people rock up having had their makeup done by a professional makeup person who apparently knew what they were doing and it's still not natural. It still doesn't match. Really, the only way to have your the face on your skin be the same colour as like everything else, or at least a tone that matches, right? Because my face is not the same colour as my chest, right? But tonally, they're the same because this is my natural skin tone and this is my natural skin tone. It's pretty hard to get a makeup, get a get a foundation, get a base that is exactly the same as your natural skin tone. Maybe a tinted moisturiser could be a thing or something that's super, super lightweight. But because of what we can do with post-production these days, really all you're doing by putting foundation on your face is trying to hide stuff. And the last thing you want to do in a headshot is hide. It's a mistake. You don't want to hide. You want to be entirely, openly, freely you. Consider why you want to wear the makeup in the first place because I suspect that there's something that you're trying to hide, something that you're trying to diminish or make bigger or there's something that you're trying to shift and change 
by using that makeup, all right? And that's the thing to consider, really. Um, I can't tell you how many speaking roles I've done lately with no makeup at all. Totally. The last three or four things that I've been cast in, no makeup at all. I get on set and they're like, no, nah, you're good the way you are. Far out, right? <laughs> are you serious? Okay, well, here I am, you know, but that's just the way casting and shooting is going these days. We want to see real people. It's great having different characters and emotions and looks as variety. However, what would you suggest would be an excellent key headshot, main headshot? Should it be neutral? If so, what is neutral? I'm going to interpret neutral as not heavily emotive in any given direction. So something that's just open and real and connected, whether that's smiling or not smiling. I think that is an excellent kind of stable headshot that you want to have in your collection. Yeah, I think neutral would be something that isn't overly expressive, something that is soft and open, authentically connected and real. That connection, that realness is what's going to draw people in. That's what I think is a key headshot. So what I'll do when I send out the, like, here's a handful of photos that I think are a great profile. Here's a handful, blah, blah, blah. I'll send out one, uh, uh, like at least one, but maybe a few examples of this is what I think a really good main headshot is. Would that be helpful for everyone? Excellent. Thumbs up everywhere. Love it. Do you have any tips for people with sunken eyes or highbrow ridges? No, just be yourself, right? Your face is your face. Your eyebrows are your eyebrows. Your eyeballs are your eyeballs. Like you are what you are. And the way that casting is happening these days, however you look, there will be something that works for you, that, that you fit. However, what I do with these headshots is, is if someone's eyes are very dark in a photo, I will lighten them a bit so that it looks natural, just so that it looks a little like a little bit of like extra light has been popped into those spaces, just so that we can see your eyes. But there's no real tips <laughs> for that. Like I certainly wouldn't if you've got like kind of a heavier eye ridge and your eyes are a bit sunken, I wouldn't be spending all of my time doing this in my photos. Don't worry about those things. Just try really hard to let go of like, oh, my nose is this, or my lips are this, or my eyebrows are this, or this is what my hair is, or oh my God, my ears stick out. Do you know how many years I spent stressing about having ears that stick out a little bit? Two thirds of my 20 odd year career. And in the last five years, I've gone, fuck it, it doesn't matter. These are the things about me that make me different to everybody else. And these are the things that will get me cast. Gone are the days of everyone has to be a particular way. We don't use cutouts anymore in casting, in productions, in, in telling stories. We do not use cutouts. Happens a bit more in advertising than anything else, right? But in the casting space of series and films and that kind of thing, we're looking for real. We're looking for diversity. We're looking for natural, real people. So embrace the stuff about you that is just you. That's the stuff that's going to sell. That's the stuff that's going to get you noticed, all right? If you keep trying to shove your roundness into a square peg hole or your squareness into a round peg hole, you will spend a lot of time feeling like crap about yourself and you will also not be natural and authentic in your imagery. Thanks, Deanna. Thank you. Thank you. My pleasure. Okay. I have natural Afro hair. And there's many ways to style it, which makes me look completely different. Sick. Love it. Especially if I put on a wig or extensions. Should I have five different headshots showcasing my different styles or just focus on the two or three I have the most often? Nah, go crazy, right? Like do, show as much diversity as you possibly can. Maybe don't make your hair the central like thing about the images, right? But utilize that diversity. That's exciting, you know? Have 10 headshots that you can put up. Maybe three or four of them uh, you know, hair pulled back and out of the way so that we can see your face really clearly. And maybe some of the others show that like wild diversity that you have. What, to, what do you look for when choosing a headshot photographer? Some may manufacture your image. Yeah, totally. What to look for? The first thing is you've got to be comfortable, right? So make sure that when you're talking to a photographer, you don't feel ick, right? There's some ick photographers out there. Don't work with the ick ones, right? Work with the ones that make you feel safe, and comfortable and allowed to be you. Look at their work, 
like seriously take a deep dive into their work and make sure that the work that they're producing is what you want your headshots to look like because they won't do something different for you. They'll do what they do. Photography is like heavily based in an individual's aesthetics. So make sure that you like the aesthetic of the photographer that you're working with. Anything else? It's good if they've worked with photographer, with sorry, with actors a lot, right? When you're getting acting headshots, try not to go to somebody who is primarily a model photographer or a fashion photographer or an editorial photographer. Like they'll take beautiful photos of you, but they won't be acting headshots. They will be different types of photos. So really look for somebody who works with actors, who has a good body of work that you enjoy and like the look of, and that when you have a chat with them, they make you feel safe. There's probably more, but just as a general rundown, I think those three things are really important to consider. In iPhone 13, any idea of where the barrel of the camera is? No. <laughs> I don't know. Work it out. Take some photos, looking at your camera. Work it out. That's all I got for you. I do not take headshots with iPhones or with any type of phone, so that's not my area of expertise. I'm aware of the fact that the, the cameras on, on phones these days are freaking amazing, right? So if you've got a good, if you've got a camera with a really good, if you've got a phone with a really good camera in it, utilize it, you know? I can't give you any tips on it, sorry. Okay, hi Deanna. This class is so valuable, thank you so much. My absolute pleasure, I'm really glad. I wanted to ask you about some examples of posing. Um, what do you mean, for example, crossing one's arms and looking down the barrel of the camera and giving an intimidating stare, standing with hands on hips? And when talk about photos that have a sense of physical motion, can you give examples of those? I know in a headshot session, we have to often stay still so we don't blur the photo, but do you mean that we as actors give a sense of, I'm about to welcome you into my home, but don't actually follow through on the actual movement? Yes, 100%, right? A lot of this idea of action and motion comes from an internal thing. It may be that you move just before the photo gets taken. Maybe you say to your photographer, all right, I'm going to walk over there and then I'm going to turn back and look at you and I want you to take the photo as I do that. And some of it, some of those shots might be you still moving, but there'll be one in the bang, 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 10 photos that they take that will capture that movement without us seeing the movement in the photo. In terms of posing, yeah, positioning, really. I probably should say positioning more than posing than anything else. You know, like crossed arms, even without changing your facial expression does something in a photo. It changes your body language. And that body language translates to the viewer as something completely different to your arms by your sides. Um, putting your hands on your hips changes how you feel. And if you allow yourself to embody that position and don't try and force it, it will generate something that's quite characterized. But if you cross your arms and then stare down the barrel of the camera with an intimidating look, you'll just look like you're play acting right? So you've got to be really nuanced in how you deliver these things. But quite literally, the difference between standing with your arms by your sides and standing with your arms crossed changes this part of your body. Like you can't see me in the shot, but this is different to this. And it makes me hold my head differently. If I let my arms hang, everything's kind of soft and open. As soon as I do this, I can feel inside of me a shift in my attitude and feelings. I don't have to do much here to express that. My body does most of the work. And if I'm soft and open, my face will do something as well. Does that make sense to everybody? Yeah, great. Okay, is background blur a good idea if nothing interesting or something that would distract the viewer? If you're talking about applying background blur after you've taken the photo, I wouldn't do that. It'll look really manufactured. The reason that as photographers we use shallow depth of field is so that we get to choose how much of the background in impacts the image. Sometimes you want the context of the background. Sometimes you just want some colourful blurry stuff in the background. But a photographer will make that choice. You can have that conversation with them if you like that. You know, what focal depth are you using? Is the background in or out? And any, any photographer who gets shitty with you about discussing their process might not be a good photographer to work with, right? Because there's not a lot of collaboration going on there. And I think the way to get the best headshots is to be able to collaborate, right? So there, add that to your list of what do I look for in a photographer? <laughs> Someone who's willing to collaborate. Photo examples to illustrate points. Yep, no worries. 
If someone was passionately doing comedy, including broad comedy, would you advise that they take some playful mischievous shots? Yeah, totally. Um, cheekily poking their tongue out, rolling their eyeballs in a playful way. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I've photographed some actors who are also comedians and we make sure we capture the acting stuff and then we do some quirky offbeat stuff as well so that so that we've also got some imagery that works in a more editorial kind of way, right? It's a bit more specifically oriented towards the the comedy stuff. And if you're talking about comedy acting as opposed to, oh, I'm also a stand-up comedian, then yeah, maybe. It can't hurt to take those photos as well, but I wouldn't make them the primary focus of the performance. I mean, sorry, of the session. Okay, so I'm feeling like the makeup thing is spinning me out. Yeah, 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 not at all surprising. Happens to lots of people, right? Although I wasn't happy with the makeup I got from my last headshot, I have, yeah, well, this is the thing, right? Like as much as you want to be wearing the makeup, often it's it doesn't come out the way you think it's going to come out, right? I have really light eyebrows and eyelashes. Would you suggest doing a little bit, just not foundation? For sure, absolutely. Having some photos of you with your really light eyebrows and eyelashes is good, but then, you know, take a mascara and an eyebrow pencil and just fill that stuff in. It'll take you like three minutes in the middle of your headshot sheet, right? Boom, 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 boom. Do that. And then you've got those options available to you as well. I get told to wear makeup to auditions all the time. Yeah, well, auditions are a little bit different, right? You might be looking for a specific type of kind of look for an audition, but for your headshots, you're looking for diversity and range. And not only that, but you want to be able to pitch who you are natively and naturally with your headshots, right? Because then you, someone can always say to you, wear makeup to the audition. All right, let me have a look. Anything else? Is there anything you shouldn't wear for headshots? Oh, we didn't talk about clothes. Right, yes. Don't wear like noisy patterns. Don't wear labels um, unless they're very specifically like, unless you're looking for a very specific kind of characterization. But again, it's a little bit uniformy, you know, like it's a bit like putting on a stethoscope. If you're trying to look like a doctor, but it's distracting. What you wanna do is find clothing that allows your face to be the focus. Black and white are often a bad idea. They draw attention. And what that means is we don't look at the face, we look at the shirt, you know, whether it's bright white or black, it's the thing that jumps out. I know that there's this traditional idea that actors wear black and da 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 da, but it's bollocks, right? It's just not, it's not current, it's not modern, it's not the way things are done anymore. So I always recommend that people wear neutrally toned colours. So things like greys, blues, greens, reds, browns, oranges, like all of those kinds of colours, but in a slightly muted tone. Chuck in a few bright bits here and there if you want, because it can be fun and interesting, but we want the focus to be on your face. The other thing to keep in mind is it can be really useful to take along a jacket and a jumper of some type, whether it's a cardi or a hoodie or something like that, that's going to allow you to play around with those kinds of outfits a bit as well. Something neutral on the bottom half is really, really helpful. Jeans, a skirt can get in the way really badly because you might need to sit down on the ground or on a, something or, you know, you might need to put yourself in a physical position that a, a skirt or a dress gets in the way of right? So I always recommend people wear jeans down the bottom and a pair of kind of neutral shoes. Most of the shots are going to be mid-thigh up. Actually, most of the shots are going to be kind of like mid-chest up. But I always capture for people a few long shots and a few kind of mid-thigh up shots, just so that you've got options as well. Okay, it's past, this is what, um, I'm just checking questions. Deanna, do you take actors' headshots as a photographer? Yes, I do. I have done for like 12 years. I'm based in Perth. Before COVID, I would do trips over east. If I had a group of people that wanted me to take photos, I'd fly over there and, and do a few days' worth of photos and stuff. So um, if that's something that you're interested in, send me an email. Can we have the same clothing for all five pictures? You can. It's been done before. If you're doing that, it's really important that you bring the diversity here and with your body language right? Really, really important. Clothing can be really helpful, helpful from a characterization perspective. So if you have the same, this is why I'm saying bring along a jumper or a cardi or a jacket or something like that, that you can just chuck on and off. You know, if you've got t-shirts, bring along a shirt, a collared shirt that you can chuck over the top or button up or leave unbuttoned. It, it can be really helpful to just have something else to add. Be really conscious of jewelry. Jewelry absolutely locks in 
kind of image style, right? So I always re recommend that people go let go light on that stuff, right? Take rings off, take necklaces off, take earrings off. Maybe for a couple of shots we have that stuff in, but not something generic that we put across the whole thing. It's past 1 p.m., so the session is finishing. If you're happy to stay and finish, that's great. But you thank you. Yeah, cool. Awesome. I've answered all the questions. Yay! Is there anything else that anybody wants to know? I'm going to put my email address in here. So I shoot under the name of Deanna White. W-H-Y-T-E. So I'm going to give you that email address. Here is my website. Okay, you can go there and have a look. Under Actors Headshots is all of the, you know, some examples of photos that I've shot. Oh, look, my pleasure. My pleasure. Sorry, getting a few thank you messages coming in. I hope that everyone has found this useful. I know it's been like a bit of a bombardment of information, right? Um, but I'll make sure that I send out... I'll make sure that I send out that cheat sheet to everybody. In fact, you can have the whole thing. It's just a Google Doc, right? So <laughs> I'm just going to send that to Alex and I'll just compile some kind of ideas of what I think a good range of images are. And, yeah, I'll make sure that that gets sent out to everybody. But make sure that you've got my email address. You can email me and ask me questions anytime you like. And... Yeah, if anyone wants me to come over to some other place other than Perth and take some photos, I'd be very happy to have a conversation with you about that. I have missed travelling enormously, <laughs> as I'm sure we all have. All right, that's it. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you for listening to this podcast, brought to you by our principal sponsor, Media Super and the Equity Foundation. For more information about the work we do, visit equityfoundation.org.au or follow Equity Foundation Australia on Facebook and Instagram.